You're listening to Version Control, Pounding Grain's digital news podcast. Our next guest, Sal, is the type of guy who seems just as natural in a boardroom as he does in an art gallery. From the financial sector to the film world, he has proven an act for staying ahead of digital trends. His insights have driven innovation at film festivals, tech companies, and fueled his own passion projects. We were able to nab him for an hour of his time for a conversation about what it means to make content as a brand in 2019. Version Control presents The Hot Seat, featuring Sal Patel. I wanted to work in the arts for as long as I can remember thinking about working. Uh, I wanted to, but initially it was performing, performing arts. So in high school and stuff like that, I was, uh, I was a theater kid. I was, I was in drama and uh, all I wanted to do was that. Uh, but I, I grew up in a household where, you know, my parents were both immigrants uh, and had a pretty traditional mindset when it came to, uh, you know, em- employment for, for me. And so when I talked about the idea of becoming like uh, an actor out of school, they were like, they were like, uh, well, people like us don't do that. Um, <laughs> they're like, you, you know, banking, yeah. uh, doctor, engineer, like that was that was the career tra- those were the career tracks that they were they wanted me to explore and then I kind of like opted myself out of a lot of those streams of being kind of shit at at uh, science mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I was it was kind of left with like the business stream or nothing and uh, so that's why I, I ended up in a commerce program uh, or commerce major at Queens for undergrad. And when they would come to school and like talk to you about what you could do with a commerce degree, they were like, oh, you could be a baker, you could be an accountant, or you could do marketing. Um, and so, you know, I didn't, I was like, but okay, what, can I do the, any of those things or some aspects of those things at, uh, in, in like an arts organization? And they were like, no, unfortunately <laughs> you can't. Arts organizations don't have finance people or, or accountants or marketing people. Like that, there was... They never said that, but that was kind of the way they approached it. They were like, we don't interface with those types of organizations. You've come to this program, so we're going to like drop you into one of the big four banks, one of the big you know, consultancies or big accounting firms. Like, that's, that's what we do here. So the, just like the, the range of what was offered as even possible was, it just felt really, really narrow. And uh, so, yeah, I, I never, after that, I was kind of like, okay, I guess I'm kissing the dreams of like performing, uh, performance and that kind of stuff. Oh, you know, just kissing that goodbye and we'll see what happens. Yeah. What, what gave you the bug initially though, to want to be a theater kid? Um, so I was like a very, uh, I, I was a very introverted younger kid. And <clears throat> so somebody told my mom that to get me out of my shell, uh, like drama classes could help. And so she threw me into this like improv school uh, that was like, it was a satellite school for the Trinity College of London. And uh, so I went there and I just started doing improv once a week. And I loved that. I was like, oh, I I love just making up characters and just like, you know, especially the the aspect that I liked the most was that, because I struggled with like memorizing lines and stuff like that, but I was like with improv, just making the shit up. And so yeah, I really I really liked that, and uh, once I once I hooked onto that, I, I you know I, I was just 
obsessed with it. And then I got really into movies when I was in high school. And that combo, I was like, whether it was movies or stage, I was like, I, I like, I like acting. That's the, the thing that I'm most experienced with related to these fields. And so, yeah, I, that's, I just had the bug after that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you could go back and say, since your mom put you in that class, it's Technically, they planted that seed. So she, I mean, that's what I tell her <laughs> and them. I'm like, you planted this seed. My mom also is like a huge film buff. And like, you know, later in my career, like right when I left banking, I started working at the Toronto Film Festival. And uh, the first person to take me to TIFF was my mom when I was a kid, you know, and we would go like she would bring home like we would watch Hollywood movies, Bollywood movies and a bunch of art house stuff as well at home. And so she gave me all that exposure uh, so I'm like, why, why are you surprised that I wanted to do this? I'm like, you're the, you're the one that kind of put me yeah. into this stream. Um, but they're like, oh, these are good hobbies. These are good side projects and, and side things to be into, but you're never going to make a living doing this stuff. And, uh, so it became like my goal to prove them wrong. <laughs> as, as with a lot of people, I think it's like a very common thing. Like mm -hmm. people, as you're younger saying, oh, you're not meant for this. It's like, oh, we'll see. Yeah. So like that, that's an interesting pass. You went from TD to TIFF. And like, so what did you do at TIFF? And like, how did that, how did that kind of whole thing work out? So the TIFF thing kind of came out of, uh, I got a bit of a kick in the ass right towards the end of my time at TD because uh, I worked for a guy that I, I realized that what I was liking, I finally came to a place where I was kind of liking my job for the first time in five years uh, at TD. At, and I conflated the idea of, you know, liking my job with actually just liking my boss and liking the environment that he created for me. Uh, he was awesome. He didn't care about the fact that I was pretty young and he just gave me a lot of responsibility that was probably beyond my age in that environment. And then one day he was like, I'm leaving the bank and I'm going to another job. I have a non-compete. I can't take people with me for a year and a half or something like that. He was like, after that, let's be in touch if you want to come over here. And I was like, okay, so for the next 18 months, uh, I'm either working with his successor, which I, you know, I'd met his successor and that didn't seem like it was going to be the same at all. Um, or I look for another job internally, or I just finally start looking at my interest in the arts and, and maybe I pursue that in some way. Um, so I started like, just, I cast the net wide. I looked all around. I, I, you know, I applied for a job at like the Drake hotel that was like, uh, programming, uh, music and stuff like that for, for the space. I, uh, I was working with, with Nick and, and, uh, their band. And I was like thinking about what I might be able to do if I scaled out just management of music and, um, and at that, at that moment, I saw a job posting for an entry level kind of admin job at the Toronto Film Festival. And I was like, I've been working for five years and I had, at that point I had like a manager, senior manager kind of role at the bank. I was like, I could, I would, this would be like kind of restarting my career from scratch. Um, I found out in talking to them that it was, it was going to be like a 65% salary cut. Um, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I looked at it and I was like, well, it, I know other people have applied to TIFF. It's so competitive and they apply kind of at their level and they never get callbacks. I was like, this way, maybe I'll get a callback uh, because I'm definitely not, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not underqualified. I, I think I'm overqualified for this and hopefully they'll, if I can convey to them that I know that I'm like possibly overqualified, but very interested, they'll, they'll give me a callback. So 
yeah, I like, I applied there and they did give me a call back and I, I ended up taking the job there, you know, just as a bit, as a bit of like, uh, an investment into myself, just being like, I'm going to ride this out for a period of time and hopefully it'll turn into something. I don't know. I didn't know anything about what creative organizations that, uh, would have for me job wise, but I was like, this is an entry level position in the highest sort of like office of TIFF. It was like an, uh, an assistant to the CEO and COO. So I was like, at least that's way I'll be able to see how the organization works, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, that was, that was how I got in, in there. And then I spent about two years working, well, first in that very administrative role. The first year I was like doing a lot of, I was like booking meetings, opening mail, taking phone calls, washing dishes after meetings, like just doing like the real non-glamorous work. Uh, that, but necessary. But necessary. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to do it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, my, my job kind of like turned into something that was a bit more uh, like project management based. And so I did that for, for a year. And that's when I like, I figured out what I actually thought I could do and provide a value for the organization. And that like, it was around that time that I shifted into uh, the sort of digital stream for TIFF. And, and that, that's like now what I do for a living uh, is, is working digital and content and that kind of stuff. But at the time it was like something that TIFF wasn't doing at all. And there was an opportunity to kind of like build that up. So yeah, it was, it just kind of, it came to get, I, I, I didn't go to TIFF with a plan. I, I went to TIFF with the opposite of a plan. I was like, you know, let's, let's see how long I can live off my savings uh, until like, I hopefully figure something out here. And, uh, you know, so the time that I spent in banking, even though I never, for, for almost all of the time that I was there, I was like, this isn't for me and I want to work in the arts. I like it, it very much, I couldn't have worked in the arts without that time because you know, working in the arts is ultimately a, like for, for most people and, and most arts organizations, I find that it's like uh, it takes privilege to be able to pursue the, that path. These are not for profit organizations that barely compensate their, their people um, or, or don't compensate them very well. And or it takes double hustle where you have a full time job and totally yeah. the, the side you know, stream going on. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's either double hustle or it's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, that somebody is supporting you for the first five years of your career. So if you have parents who who are willing to support you, which, you know, my, my parents were not unsupportive, but they were like, they were, they were definitely pissed off that I left (laughs) a very cushy job in banking to pursue this like low paying job, like admin job at a film festival, you know? So, uh, I, and it was like a point of pride for me as, as well to be like, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing this and it's going to, I, I, I was like crossing my fingers that it would pay off, <laughs> but it was like, I was like, it'll pay off. And, um, and so I didn't want to ask anyone for support or help, uh, even if I could have. And, and I think for a lot of people, like that's the, it's the unfortunate thing about the arts in this country, uh, which is that, you know, the reason that why most of these arts organizations are staffed in such a uh, homogenous, like very white privileged way is because that's who can afford to work at them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for me, I'm like, yeah, the five years that I spent at Banking are the reason that I was able to do the five years that I did after that at TIFF. So you mentioned like just kind of briefly glossed over it in that like 
you started off doing admin in the first year and a half and then all of a sudden you did started to do some digital content. Like how does that conversation even happen inside TIFF where it's, it's kind of like, well, while I'm booking this meeting, I kind of want to make really cool stuff for the festival. <laughs> or did they come to you with that and say, can you do this? Yeah. So uh, neither. Not, it's, it, the, the way it happened is kind of interesting, which is that like digital was a bit of a like a buzzword, uh, you know, going back like six years, seven years now, where organizations knew that digital, quote unquote, was a thing that they needed to figure out. TIFF was one of those organizations that, you know, in their strategic plan, looking five years uh, in, into the future, like every time they introduce a new strat plan, it's like, okay, what's the next five years of TIFF going to be? Where do we want to be in five years? So at that point, when I joined in 2013, uh, they had just developed a, a strategic plan, which was going to take them from 2013 to 2018. And with that plan, they, they, they were like, they identified that digital was a key investment area for them. Um, now, deciding like what that meant was something that they knew they needed to make some strategic hires around. So they... Like while they were figuring that out, I started just like raising my hand a lot for like anything that involved digital. So there was a committee of like internal staff that was brought together. I was like, I'd love to like take minutes for that meeting. Um, and then I started a newsletter for the people that went to that meeting and the senior like team there where I just like would do a roundup of like five articles every week where I was like, these are like five things that I think are somewhat relevant to us as we're exploring this space. And I would just send that around. So when they made that first hire and they hired a director of digital, um, they brought her in from the States. Uh, she had like a lot of experience at National Geographic, you know, helping them build out like and, and turn their brand from a print brand into a digital brand. Uh, uh, they were like, well, this guy here hasn't, won't shut up about <laughs> digital. And so like, he, you know, if you're looking for a project manager or somebody to just like help you get up off the ground, um, you know, he's available. And so, yeah, I just started building a relationship with her. And when I got a chance to, when she moved to Toronto, we sat down for a coffee and I just threw a hundred ideas at her yeah. and she was like, she was like, okay, you seem extremely passionate. <laughs> Some of your ideas are crazy. And I like, uh, but she was like, I like your passion and enthusiasm. And right now, because we're building something from scratch, we need people who are just going to have that energy behind them. And so, yeah, she started, when, when she started building out her plan for the team, she, you know, she started to think about, like the way that I was thinking about digital uh, and, and the way that, you know, when the strategic plan conversations were happening before she joined, it was like in a few different buckets, uh, but you know, streaming video was probably the, the biggest one of those. And just like the extent to which that was disrupting the film space, what impact that was gonna have on festivals, how TIFF could enter that space, like all of that was a, was a big question for us. Um, the other piece was you know, how, uh, how other new media forms in the digital landscape, like VR, AR, like what that was going to do to storytelling. And so that was another big piece of it. I would say like the third smallest piece was uh, content and how, you know, how, you know, can, should we be making content? What should that content be? Mm -hmm. um, and so when she came in, she looked at those things and she was like, well, the biggest opportunity in her mind was because, you know, other ambitions of TIFF at that moment were that TIFF's audience was getting really old. Um, and we, the, you know, the organization needed to renew it. So 
how do we build a millennial audience was one thing. How do we build a global audience was another thing. So for her, she was like, the answers to both of those is content. Um, we, we position ourselves not as a film festival, but as a film media brand who are creating content in support of uh, the, you know, in support of and, and for film lovers. And we're extending the conversation around the types of movies that would show at the festival, that would show in the light box year round. And we're doing that through a, a variety of content verticals, editorial, podcast, video, social media. And so she came up with that kind of a, a focus for what the team was gonna do. And she wanted to create a TIFF digital studio for that. And so when she started staffing that up, she was like, the role that I don't have, or that I don't have anyone for right now that I need someone in is uh, somebody who can take over the social piece of all of that. Distribution of all the content we make, keeping the channels alive in between all of that. Um, and she was like, you know, would you, would you want to take that on? And I was like, well, I've never managed social in a professional capacity <laughs> for a big organization. Those channels at that point, like the Twitter following for TIFF at that point was already like probably a couple hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, that's a massive audience. Uh, and so, I, you know, I thought it was pretty daunting. I didn't want to say no, like I never say no to a, a big opportunity, but I wanted to just caution her that like, I've not, I've not done this before. So if I fumble a little bit here and there, bear with me. And she was like, yeah, yeah, we're all going to figure this out as we go. Yeah. You I think know? that's, there's a, there's a cool sweet spot there though. Like the, the combination of enthusiasm and energy with the, the, the not knowing what defeat feels like. So you just keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really fun spot to be in, especially in, in like with, with the content that you guys had backing you from that perspective. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you mentioned that she wanted to kind of create this sort of world of content um, that was kind of telling different stories and different perspectives and, and you were going to go in and kind of run all that. But I mean, that, that's one thing in itself, but um, what are, what are the, kind of the things that you worked on? And I'm getting at one thing in particular that I'm sure that Nick was, Nick is grinning at me um, that was kind of felt like a, like an innovation in that space, not only for TIFF, but also for the platform. Yeah, I mean, we got, there was so much. There was so much that we got to do that uh, felt that that felt really cool and different. And I think for the organization, we entered. We, you know, what we did is we kind of breathed some new life into the brand, uh, and we we extended the brand into spaces and audiences that hadn't touched it before. Uh, and I think we lifted consideration. Uh, to use like some mar marketing jargon, uh, but I think we like legitimately did like lift consideration in that millennial bracket that we were talking about, um, just by virtue of being pu of publishing frequently and regularly and with interesting stuff on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, on web, through podcasts, all of that. Uh, but I, I would say the coolest things that we got to do probably. The, sing the, the single coolest thing that I, I got to do was build a film festival on Instagram. Um, and so I don't know if that was the thing that you guys That was definitely the thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, think, I think I entered, by the did way. Did you? Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people that I know did. Oh, oh really? Yeah, and, yeah. And because, That's so cool. And it's, well, it's because one, it was Canadian, yeah. right? So as Canadians, like, oh, I have a chance. Totally. <laughs> That's sort of the mentality that we have as, as Canadian filmmakers. And it was short and sweet. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I, I have the tools in my pocket to create this. Yeah. Um, all I need is some imagination and some, you know, elbow grease and away you go. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that was... And that was exactly the intent of it, right? I mean, there's a problem 
in the filmmaking world that I mean Nick is very well aware of where there are there's so many gatekeepers and so many barriers to entry Mm -hmm. right and so I, I became super aware of that in the years that I was at TIFF and I was like how do we like the internet it is the exact opposite. And what's like beautiful about the internet is that you just make a thing and you put it there and sometimes it'll be discovered by millions of people and that's great. So how do we use our platform as TIFF with a massive audience and as a organization that is synonymous with curation? Like what can we do to then use our platforms for that purpose? Because a lot of what we did on our channels, you know, was was celebrating established films and and, uh, established filmmakers. But I was like, here's a chance for us to do the thing that we're most known for, which is curating, give an opportunity to up and coming voices, zero barriers to entry, no cost, you know, shoot a thing, whether it's on your phone or with all your gear, however you want to do it, it's only 60 seconds. You could do that for very little to no money Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and put it up and, and, and you know, the, the, there was a dual aspect to it where we were like, to submit, use the hashtag TIFFXInstagram. So people started following that hashtag just to see all the submissions that were out there. And there's amazing stuff that was just discovered just because it, the, of the hashtag. Mm-hmm. And then we went through and we, you know, we curated from that entire selection. It was like, I, I really wanted it to feel like a festival. So I was like, let's look at you know, the thousands of entries that have come through. And then let's pick a program of like 30. We, you know, the first year that we did it, we came up with 30 pretty arbitrarily. Uh, and it was, it was just because I was like, okay. Oh, that's why I didn't win. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, so, so TIFF itself in September is 10 days long. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's make this 10 days long as well. And how many films can we screen? I was like, well, I feel like we'd be, we'll, you know, we'll be lucky if we find like 30 good ones. Uh, not knowing at all how many people would submit. And we ended up having thousands of submissions and, uh, and we picked 30 out of, out of all of those. And so it was like three screenings a day, sort of like a matinee and early evening and a late evening. And we would just post them regularly at those hours. And, and then, you know, we just like TIFF, the, the big TIFF in September, uh, there's a people's choice award. And so to vote for that, you just vote by double tapping and liking the video. So it's mm-hmm. just like really simplifying the experience of like festival going and and uh, just putting it on this platform that I think the other thing that really excited me about working with Instagram was that at the time, like we're also talking like four years ago now, Instagram was uh, really known for, for photography and having this like this this creative uh, global photography community had connected over that. and. I saw them sort of raising and changing the aesthetics of, of like how everyday photography happened. Like all of a sudden we were using words like Instagrammable and you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, we were talking, people were thinking about how they What's your filter, shots. bro? What's your filter? <laughs> and like people are thinking about filters and colors yeah. and saturation and whatever, you know? And so it was, I was like, this is, uh, it's an amazing platform for that. And you know, the year that we premiered the festival, we were talking to Instagram and we were like, we want to do this thing. They were really excited about it. And we found out like a, a month into our conversations with them that the reason they were particularly excited because they were transitioning from 15 second video on the platform to 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. And they were like, this is a great, because uh, at first we were going to make it a festival of 15 second uh, videos or, sh- or sh- you know, micro, micro shorts, you know, and 
then they were like, by the way, we can go up to 60. And we were like, oh, that feels like it'll be, it's kind of in that sweet spot where it's not too challenging to tell yep. a story, uh, but it's not so long that like it, it's become expensive and, mm-hmm. and whatever. So 60 seconds felt right for us. And yeah, we, uh, we partnered with Instagram. We launched the thing. They gave us a, like a, a good amount of money on their end to just market the thing and, and, uh, you know, boost all the posts related to it so that people found out about the submissions window and yeah, we did it for three years and it was great. It's such a perfect collision of like, we talk a lot about like the appropriate events and, and things that brands can do with the tools at hand. And it's just such a really a good example of recognizing what you are as a brand, a film festival that involves people. So it's like, so let's find a piece of technology that can turn the camera around and turn viewers into creators. And then let's create, like just hearing the story of like, well, the idea, the whole idea was about creating a festival feeling mm-hmm. and like, we're all kind of nerdy festival geeks here anyway. So we know what that is. And to recreate that from a digital standpoint, like we were, we were laughing earlier, like, yeah, I totally submitted because that's, that's the feeling that you want. You're like, Oh my God, a bunch of people could be watching this and it's as mm-hmm. easy as a hashtag. And then like, uh, the barrier to entry is so low. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've seen in the last four years that these things come up all the time now. I mean, you guys are pioneers and that's, it's incredible. Yeah, it feels cool. It feels cool to 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 know that we were you know in that space a little bit early. Um, and yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot of people you know do the same not the same thing but similar things since they've got their like swings to it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in terms of like like using the the ability to use that tool to contribute for a way to compete and you know a friendly way to compete for things in the arts. I mean, that's basically what you guys were doing first, Mm -hmm. which is really, really cool. So like when, when you went to Instagram, we're like, yeah, we have this idea. We kind of want to do it. Like, and their response was, yeah, yeah. And here's a minute, like go, go for it. Or were they like a little bit weary? And then you kind of had to sell it a little bit. There was no weariness on there. They they were all in. They, I think since the beginning and, and increasingly with each year that we worked on it with them, uh, they were like, this is great. You guys are, inc- you're using your brand to encourage people to put content on our platform mm-hmm. and not just any content, but cinematic content uh, and thought provoking, interesting content. You know, it, they, they see their platform as being a, a, a place for storytellers. And I think especially now that they've introduced IGTV, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, offers the possibility of going up to an hour long with a vertical video. They're like, we we really want long form creators to see Instagram as a place, not just to share, uh, you know, their their sort of like everyday more like casual stuff, but like share their work, like mm-hmm. full on share sh- share cinematic pieces on here. And I think the the interesting conversation for us as a as a film festival was always like, you know, what role does the big screen play mm-hmm. in you know TIFFs in, in the importance of of what TIFF does. And for our team, we were always big champions, you know, the digital space obviously of being like, screen, you know, size doesn't matter. Uh, You know, screen (laughs) size doesn't matter in any way. It's really the quality and the power of the story. And so no matter where those stories are, it's it's just seeking those good stories out and then then sharing them to the the biggest possible audiences. And, you know, like the September festival is amazing. It brings together, you know, I think like a half a million people over the course of 10 days. But this was, you know, w- with with the Instagram Film Festival, we had like 
millions of people mm-hmm. who watched some of the films and lives were changed through it. Like the first year, especially because of all the media attention that we got for this collaboration, uh, the, the People's Choice winning film, uh, it was about uh, a breakdancer from Tunisia who had lost both his legs he, uh, and you know when he was younger. And he, he's, he was probably about 14 or 15 when the movie was shot. And it's just a super simple film. It's a, it's a, a guy from Montreal who filmed it uh, in like a Tunisian desert. And the breakdancer is just, he's just like uh, spinning and doing like some breakdancing tricks. And cinematography is gorgeous, really simple uh, score behind it. And at the end, he just stops and he's like, you know, kneeled on his, uh, on his knees. And he's just like kind of like weeping with joy, sadness. It's hard to tell. But it, like that ambiguity, like is really powerful, and the the film's called Hope, right? And so a lot of people were really inspired and moved by it. Um, people saw the film and invited this kid to one of the largest breakdancing competitions in the world in New York. Um, they like crowdfunded him to be able to get out there, and then once he performed in New York, they crowdfunded him to get prosthetic legs, and which have changed his life, you know. And so there, there's like stories like that that came out of this that we were made i think us and instagram also realize the power of like you know the platform mm-hmm. and what we're able to do with like cinematic content on i don't think they i think through this process they also realized what we what was even possible with their own platform and, and medium if if they allowed people the space to, to put that kind of content on there rather than like the everyday like oh like i'm you know the the, the more like what you would expect from Instagram, you know, IG story kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, oh, we, you know, we can compete in the YouTube space. Like, they definitely can. And they can. And I think like IGTV is definitely over the next year going to show that they have a lot that they can do with that. Well, after hearing the powerful story of the legless breakdancer, I'm starting to realize why my two person heist story on zero budget did not make the final cut, but I understand like, <laughs> shot on a, on a, an actual, an old digital camera as that opposed to sounds awesome. <laughs> it was terrible. Submit it again. <laughs> I have nothing to do with it. anymore. But yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's interesting. So like that, it's not, that was kind of happened a few years ago mm-hmm. and now you're, you're still creating digital content, but mm-hmm. like, uh, what, what, how's it different now? And, and what are you doing these days? Yeah. So, uh, last September, I was my last festival with TIFF. And in the months following the, that festival, I, I started talking to Shopify, which is a local uh, you know, Canadian uh, e-commerce and tech company who are now you know, 5,000 plus employees uh, big around the world. Um, they're 11 years old. Uh, and so I'd obviously heard of Shopify, been to the office for events and things like that. But um, I didn't, you know, I, I never thought of them as a potential employer for, for me because, uh, you know, I, I became like really sure that I, what I wanted to do next in my career was continue working in the content space and, and you know, work around storytelling. And um, but then when they came to me, they said, we're launching uh, a, a full film TV and content studio. And uh, that was really exciting and interesting to me. And I was I wanted to hear more about what they were doing. And it's something that I, I, I see as a, a big and emerging trend in, uh, in, in the world right now, which is mission-based studios. And I think you know, the void that's being created 
by streaming services entering the picture, by smaller films disappearing from big screen distribution, uh, is that you know the the companies that were exclusively uh, film and media based you know ten years ago are now being replaced by companies that are, make their money in maybe other areas mm-hmm. that can fund content. And the most interesting part about that is that they're, they're funding content and just stepping out of the way. Like there's no brand integration or Are we talking like scripted content here? Or? Yeah. So the interest, so Shopify studios is in the business of, uh, scripted, unscripted. Um, we're doing everything from feature length films, TV, uh, TV shows. What's the end game if there's, if the brand steps out of the way? So the end game, so mission as a mission based studio, there's a mission for the, for, for what they're doing. And the mission for Shopify is to inspire entrepreneurship. So, you know, like the, the baseline criteria for any content that we would consider making any story that we would option or script that we would option. Uh, any web series we would make, any TikTok video uh, we would create, like right from feature length all the way to, you know, 15 second memeable kind of video, everything is tied back to the idea of like, does this inspire entrepreneurship? Does this um, shed light on the realities of what it's like to be an entrepreneur in 2019? Does it broaden the idea that people have in their minds of what an entrepreneur looks like and what the entrepreneur's journey is. Mm. And I think, you know, for our CEO uh, running the company for 11 years, like he has, uh, and, and it being a company that, de- you know, develops and delivers a tool that facilitates entrepreneurship, he's seen the journeys of million, like millions of people who uh, have taken this entrepreneurial journey. And he's like, I don't see those reflected in media anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the problem with them not being reflected in media and the problem with like every time you, you pick up like Inc. Magazine or Entrepreneur Magazine or whatever, and you see the same five tech bros on the cover, uh, <laughs> is that you start to think of entrepreneurship as being one thing versus it being something that's accessible, something that is empowering, something that's fulfilling, and that's a way to like pursue your passions and, and to pursue economic independence, all these things, right? And so for him, he's like, I want to create content that reflects a broader scope of what entrepreneurship is. And so the mission of the studio is to do that through comedy, drama, documentary, whatever type of stuff we can make uh, that, that will sort of shed light on that and will reach as many people as possible. So. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I'm doing now is uh, I'm the managing editor, uh, at Shopify studios and I work with a team of around 40 people. Uh, they're producers. A lot of them are producers who work on, you know, everything from like long form, medium, short, social videos. Uh, we have podcast producers, we have, uh, writers and editors who, who work on editorial content. So the idea is to, to develop content for every like different medium possible it's a small content army you have there it is yeah it's crazy it's really cool i mean so coming from tiff where you know over three years we we had we eventually built up to a team of like you know 15 um and for what we were doing that was incredibly scrappy uh we were just always felt like our to-do lists were unachievable. Mm. Um, you know, not to say that here I feel like I'm on top of my to-do list. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever feel that way. But 
The dream. At, at, yeah. at Shopify, I'm like, they're, you know, our team is like, it's well staffed and we've got a lot of resources to be able to like, you know, try and try and achieve this mandate. So it's cool. So where does this content play? Do you have your own platform or is it all on, you know, typical so because, channels? Because the goal is to reach the broadest audience possible, uh, we we're focused on the broadest reach platforms. So it's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, are, are the three primary. You, in the you did space. mention TikTok too. T- TikTok is something that we're working on right now as, so right now we, we're talking about platforms as like billion plus platforms. Mm. TikTok is at 800 million Getting there. users yeah. it, and, but it's growing at a pace that we're confident it's going to get there this year. So yeah. we're not even waiting for it to cross that, that landmark. We're, we're just, we're already working on content for it. Actually, I was telling Nick that right before I came here, I came from our first TikTok shoot. Where oh, we, no way. That's yeah, cool. We, yeah, we worked on uh, two 15-second videos for a couple hours before I came here. And uh, so they may or may not be the first things that go up on our feed. But yeah, so we're, uh, the, you know, we're working on that, uh, uh, on, on those four platforms in the social space. And then... Uh, beyond that, we're we're working on uh, you know the film and TV space. Where with films, I think our hopes are that they'll get like broad distribution. They'll mm-hmm. play festivals. They'll you know maybe be up in in theaters and and then on like streaming services. Uh, same with TV. TV's like you know we're looking for streaming services. Uh, Netflix. You know. So like in, that. in what way does this like if you're talking long form, how does it tie back to your brand? It it doesn't. That's amazing. Yeah. But I'm kind of thinking of it as it doesn't, it, it does indirectly though. Like the whole idea of championing the entrepreneurial spirit and defining what that means in modern times, that's the mission. It sounds like totally, mm-hmm. but by doing it in such an incredibly subtle way, I mean like I'd be more likely to get behind it. And- totally. But can you imagine, and now, now I'm just going to talk to Nick for a second. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine trying to start a business, you know, even in the last three years without having an, uh, an e-commerce solution to that? No, of course not. Right. And I guess like, that's what makes perfect sense for that. Like it's a nice, again, it's similar to what you had started at TIFF where it's like, we've got a, a product or a brand that makes perfect sense for a piece of technology that already exists. And all we need to do is involve more people, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like the beauty of the whole thing, right? Is yeah. like, we're all kind of creators and we're all just kind of looking for access to do so. And this whole like quote unquote internet thing um, allows us to do that. Would you think when you're, you know, when a novel concept like that is being created, what was the pushback towards that? You know what I mean? Was everyone on board right away or is there... So, you know what? I wasn't at the organization when that uh, when that was all being discussed, but what I've heard and what I kind of know firsthand is that right from the top of our company down, um, there's like, there's buying. Like, you know, this is an idea that, our, like I was saying, our CEO, Toby, uh, is is he's very invested in the idea that, you know, media needs to reflect the entrepreneurial journey uh, more accurately. And so he sees us as playing a role in that and playing an important role in that. So, you know, I, it's something that, you know, is, is understood in the company and, and people are like really supportive of, which is cool. But it's, it's a really interesting trend. I shouldn't call it a trend. Like it's basically where, where companies are going these days is you create your own content. And because you can control it, you're not relying on somebody to sort of interpret your message. It's like, this is what we're trying to say, whether it's like championing the entrepreneurial spirit or talking about 
living abroad and stuff like with Airbnb and stuff like that. Like you kind of control that from the top all the way down and then you get to create the content that you've always wanted to create, which is mm -hmm. very, very similar to how things like YouTube got started, but mm -hmm. just from an individual standpoint. Totally. And also we've read for a few years about like with the interruption in forced advertising, like commercials don't just pop out at you anymore. So what was going to be the next interesting thing that comes out of that? Someone had to come up with something inventive to fill that space. Mm -hmm. So I guess this is what, ha what has happened. Yeah, I think like, you know, if we just think about ourselves as consumers of content and, you know, we're, we're constantly being pushed things on every feed and everywhere we look. And I think we've just become, I remember like 15 years ago or something, um, what, maybe a little bit less than that, like 13 years ago, um, when Facebook was really new, uh, I, I had given a presentation at business school about, you know, Facebook and the possibilities with Facebook and blah, blah, blah. And then our professor asked us to go like present to a room of like ad execs in Toronto. Uh, and so I was doing that and they were like, they were like, so, uh, you know, do you see a big potential for banner ads and things like that on Facebook? And I was like, yeah, maybe. I mean, there's a ton of people who use it, but you know, instinctually I was just like, our generation has just sort of like created like filters in our eyes to not see that side of the screen. So you can put anything <laughs> you want on the sides and on the top and we're just not going to see it. And that kind of blew their minds. And, you know, I think we're, that's how we are with ads in general. Mm -hmm. And, and so we're just a, uh, like a highly discriminatory, uh, generation when it comes to traditional advertising. And so we either want to be told upfront, this is an ad but then it then it's really entertaining and good and we respect it for that or we don't want to see an ad and we want to see something that's mission driven and that's connected to an ethos and that is still really good and then we're like when we see the closing credits and we see a company come up we're like oh respect to Johnson and Johnson for mm -hmm. for putting some money behind this really good filmmaking and like you know the the brand value that you develop indirectly because of that is something that I don't know, like, I can't say that it, it's a thing that is, is going to be huge, but I could say that it's something that a lot of companies are testing right now. Thanks for listening to Version Control, the hot seat featuring Sal Patel. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. 